Ted Cluck joins us on the BTG studio line. He has written and or co-written over a dozen and a half books. He has played professional indoor football, trained as a professional wrestler. He served as a missionary and has founded a publishing house. He's also a husband and a father of two. Ted, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to talk with us. Hey, thanks so much, man. It's my pleasure. Ted, I have to tell you, I'm very excited to have you on. When I started the show, you were one of those half-two guys that I wanted to have on. I read a couple of your books, and in them you come across the very honest, very real, which I identify with. Oh, cool. You're too kind. My goodness, man, that list of things you have accomplished is very impressive. And I didn't even mention yet the two podcasts. Of all those things, <laughs> is there one thing that sticks out as being more difficult than you may have thought? Yeah, you know, in a way they were they were all difficult. Uh I, I think just getting started in writing, you know, it's a it's a tough business because whenever you're freelance and whenever you're self employed, you know, you kind of you work without the safety net of uh of a company, of health insurance, of some of those things that maybe we take for granted when we're growing up. So uh it was a wild ride. It it was a lot of a lot of failure kind of kind of wrapped around, you know, some enough success to kind of justify keeping going. And and I tell you, there's nothing like, you know, there's nothing like living that way to make you really uh, rely on the Lord for your provision. You know, I think I, I had a lot of my pride beaten out of me by that in a good way. And um, hopefully it's been replaced by just learning how day by day to humbly, you know, rely on the Lord for my provision. You are a part of a number of podcasts. Tell us what those are about. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and, I'm not a social media guy at all. In fact, I, I kind of hate social media. So a few years ago, three or four years ago, I got off Facebook. Uh, I was never on Twitter, so I'm not a big social media guy. But about a year ago, I was pro approached by a couple of other authors, uh, Barnabas Piper, John Piper's son, and uh, another guy named Stephen Altrogi about starting a podcast called The Happy Rant. And um, I said yes, kind of because I felt guilty about not really doing anything to market my books. And I knew the publicist and uh, an agent would be happy. So... Uh, so I said yes, and uh, and it's been a blast, man. We uh, we usually discuss three or four issues per episode. Uh, we record every week. The episodes are 30 or 40 minutes long, and sometimes we talk about sports, sometimes publishing, uh, sometimes the church, just stuff that's going on in society, and uh, it's a blast. We laugh a lot. And then uh, the other ones that I'm involved in, one is called the Gut Check Podcast. That's a, a product of my little publishing company, Gut Check Press. Uh, so myself and Zach Bartles, our co-founder, uh, we do that one. It's a lot less formal, and uh, we just we just laugh a lot, man. We we bust each other's chops and talk about whatever, and uh, and it's fun. It's really fun. And then uh, the final one is a, a podcast that's that's really really well done. It's called Mahaney Sports. Um, I'm on with CJ and Chad Mahaney. Uh, they're a father son duo. CJ is a pastor and an author. Uh, his son Chad is just kind of getting started uh, in media, but they do a great job and uh, talk about kind of all things football related from a Christian perspective. So uh, it's a blast. Now, you played football professionally in the Arena League, and you told me you've been through Rochester to play the Raiders when you were a member of the Battle Creek Crunch. Did you get a chance to get a garbage plate while you were here in town? <laughs> you know, I didn't, man. We were we were hardly in town long enough for any uh, any kind of local flavor, but uh, except the beating that we took from the Rochester Raiders, that's about all I remember getting uh, from my trip to Rochester. But no, it was a it was a really cool experience. That was. Uh, one season that I did indoor ball, it was in 2006, and uh, it resulted in a book called Paper Tiger, uh, One Athlete's Journey Through the Underbelly of Pro Football is the, is the subtitle. But um, it was a blast and a, and a privilege, of course, to be able to do that. And, uh, and it was fun to be in Rochester, albeit briefly. And uh, I actually made a connection while I, was, while I was playing in that league with a guy named Joe Bach. 
who played in the USFL, had a, a few games in the NFL as well, and is a, is a Rochester resident. So he and I have, have teamed up on some interviews throughout the years on some other projects, and it's been great. Now, because you played football professionally, you certainly have a greater perspective on the reality of the game. You wrote in a blog piece that you give your son such advice as hit him in the ear hole, and if you bring your forearm up into his chin, that'll shut him up. Those kinds of remarks run counter to current trends in youth sports where folks almost try to pansify it. I believe you called it Disney-fying it. And, and they take much of the competitiveness out of sports. But that's not real life, is it? And taking the competitiveness out doesn't necessarily enhance the great life lessons found in sports, does it? No, I totally agree. I think it removes a lot of the life lessons, to be honest. And, you know, some of the best lessons I've ever learned and some of the best things that, that the Lord has taught me through sports and continues to teach me to this day have been uh, when I've been on the losing end of things. You know, it's it's tough to lose, man. It's, it's a tough, tough thing to have to walk across that field and shake the hand of the guy that just beat you. And, you know, football has always been my first love athletically, and, and now I get to share that with my son. And I tell you, there's nothing there's nothing tougher than football. You know, it's a, it's a battle and it's combat, and um, I want my sons to be respectful. I want them to be kind. I want them to be Christ-like uh, in their lives on and off the field. But when you're on that field, you're also uh, you're a competitor, and your teammates are accountable to you, and you're accountable to them. And, you know, if somebody's doing something to you on the field that, that you have to regulate, you know, I think that's all part of the game, and it's actually a fun part of the game. You know, I miss that. Uh, in, in regular day-to-day life, there's, there's kind of nothing as exciting as playing football, and Everything has seemed a little boring since then, to be honest. Yeah, you mentioned that that kid who drops the F-bombs will not respect you until you've planted them in the ground and made them hurt. And then you said, ironically, they become friends after that. Yeah, you know, that's been my experience so many times as a as a player. And I'm sure you remember those experiences growing up in the in the old days now. I mean, things were different maybe when we were kids. Uh, um, but yeah, that, that kid that's talking noise and... You know, you end up scuffling a little bit with them, and then at the end of the day, you're friends. And I think, I, I think culturally, we're losing that. And, and boy, when you read you read these segments of things that I've written, I cringe a little bit because I'm like, man, people are going to hate that. But, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, that's that's been my experience, and and football has been uh, more positive than negative in that regard, and and really relationally positive in the sense that I think as as Christians, as people who are involved in the church, it gives us. Uh, an amazing way to be in community with people and to to be in relationships with people that we otherwise otherwise might not be able to uh, to to reach or be in relationships with. Now, many Christians celebrate athletes like Tim Tebow, Russell Wilson for their openness towards their faith. Yet I've met a number of people who are equally turned off, not necessarily by what they're saying, but rather how much they are saying it. Do you think there's a balance there somewhere? Yeah, I really do. You know, I, I think one of the hardest things to do, Rick, is to separate the message uh, of a person from the brand of a person. And I think in this age of, of media oversaturation and social media and all the stuff that we deal with now, you know, nothing ever really seems sincere. Uh, and that's why, you know, with a guy like Tebow or Russell Wilson, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to hear that message and not think that it's linked to kind of a personal brand and, and you know, whatever they're trying to accomplish from a business standpoint. And, and I don't want to be uncharitable in that. I, I probably fall into the camp where it, it turns me off more than it inspires me as a, as a believer. Um, and I tend to, to want to be a little bit more low key about, about some of those things myself. But, uh, at the same time, I know there's, there's room for grace. And, uh, I know that we serve a sovereign Lord who can use all kinds, you know, certainly wish the best to those guys. And, and, you know, as they grow and mature, uh, I think your perspective changes too. And, and there was a time, I remember there was a time where, 
you know, you, you couldn't ask Kurt Warner a question about anything without having him respond with something Jesus related. And then, and then I think, you know, he's no less sincere about his faith now, but, you know, he's become so much, uh, better, I think, and more adept, uh, in the spotlight to where he's now one of the best analysts in the game and he can really talk about the game in a, in a unique way, but still talk about his faith too. And I think that's, uh, a great thing. We're talking with author Ted Cluck. His books are such an honest, straight-talking look at our approach to both sports and faith. It can sometimes jar us out of our comfort zone. And in your most recent book called Household Gods, it's written with your wife, of course, you talk about a Christian subculture that idolizes and maybe even over-celebrates families. What do you mean by that and by escaping that ideology and fleeing to the cross? Yeah, yeah, great question. I, I think for us, we realized that Family was kind of the last acceptable bastion of idolatry within the church. You know, you're you're allowed to sort of post the 75 Facebook pictures of your perfect kids and their perfect birthday party and and the cute thing that your kid did at church. And uh, I think for us, being that you know, so often we felt like, man, we we suck at being parents, and <laughs> you know, we're making all these mistakes. We just felt a ton of pressure in that. Uh, while while it felt like at the same time the family was was on this unhealthy pedestal that almost replaced. God at times in the church. Um, so I, I think we wanted to write about that, but really what the book became as, as we dug into it more deeply was um, really an examination of a lot of the idolatries that we have in our own heart that kind of present in the context of family, uh, one of which being sports. Um, it, for me especially, where uh, I realized that, man, sports is, it, it's been such an idol for me. And having success as an athlete, success as a coach, now success as a a parent of young athletes, um, at times I was living like that was my functional God. And, and in doing so, you know, I really negated, you know, the testimony and the glory that should have, that should have belonged to Christ. And I was trying to have all that glory for myself. The first book I read of yours was Why We're Not Emergent by Two Guys That Should Be. In it, you parse the difference between an invitation to a Jesus lifestyle and a realization of what was accomplished at the cross on our behalf. How could believers be better at building disciples who have embraced forgiveness of sins and not simply an acceptance by maybe cool Christian hipsters, if you will? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a great question, and I, I think it's it's a fundamental question to Christianity. So if somebody if somebody invites me into a way of life that says we need to live more like Jesus, you know, I think a lot of times that's packaged and sold in a really attractive way, and we think, you know, wow, what a great thing! What could be wrong with that? And you know, really, the, the only thing that could be wrong with it is is me, because I can't, even on my best of days, I can't even come close. You know, uh, I can't even come close because I have sin nature in my heart. You know, my flesh desires things that that are apart from Christ, and it's only in Christ, and it's only in Christ's work on the cross, uh, paying the penalty for my sinfulness and my guilt, uh, that I can ever have any freedom and peace in this world. And I think what was so seductive about the emergent church was this feeling that you know, maybe through activism, through trying to live like Jesus, that we could we could sort of earn our salvation. And I think, you know, we wanted to gently point out that, that we disagree and that salvation is only in Christ and the cross. The opening chapter of your book, The Reason for Sports, it's is both sad and humorous as you discuss the jock apology, these watered-down kind of I'm-sorries. And, and that's certainly relevant to the current uh, Alex Rodriguez situation with his reluctance to be specific. Do you think with Alex it's just a pride thing, or is it something inherent in all of us, that natural avoidance of dealing with our own sins? Mm, I, I think it's inherent in all of us, and I think, you know, the minute we start to think that we're better than Alex Rodriguez or Mike Tyson or, or whoever the athlete is, I, I think that's a dangerous moment, you know? 
And it's so easy. I mean, people get on sports talk radio or on the internet and they, and they rip these guys up one side and down the other. But it, it's easy for me to realize that I'm only one or two bad choices away from being there and from having that kind of public embarrassment. And so on one sense, there's a, there's a ton of sympathy for a guy like Alex Rodriguez who's going through what he's going through. And, and in another very real way, I mean, the, the, the best thing that could happen to him would be to, to sort of embrace that in total humility and say, uh, I've been wrong. You know, I've been wrong in really specific ways. I've hurt people in really specific ways. And, and now I need a redeemer and I need forgiveness. And I, I think for any athlete who's, who's really messed up publicly, I mean, that's the, the hope and the prayer for that person, just like it's the hope and the prayer for you and me, you know, and, and we know what we've done and we know the people that we've hurt and we know the ways that we need forgiveness too. So I think we, we as audience members have a lot more in common with, uh, with Alex Rodriguez than we might think. Now, is it true the rumors are that you have a boxing ring in your basement? <laughs> that is absolutely true. Much to the chagrin and disdain of my wife, uh, I do indeed have a boxing ring in my basement. I, uh, for a very short time, I managed a, a professional heavyweight fighter here in the Lansing area and he would come out uh, he'd come out to my house, he'd come out to my house in the suburbs, and we'd go down to the basement, and I would spar, uh, I'd spar around with him to try to get him ready for his fight, so uh, it was a blast, it was so much fun, I learned so much about boxing, which is another one of those dying sports that's kind of being marginalized, I think, but, uh, but a, a great guy and a great experience. Ted, can you share with us how you first came into a personal relationship with Christ? Yeah, I sure can, and it's, it's kind of a... A multi-tiered story in the sense that I grew up in a Christian home. My my parents were, they were young believers themselves. You know, I, I think they didn't have a lot of theological kind of grounding at that time. So I, I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home with very loving parents who loved the Lord. But I think it wasn't until I got older that I started to be challenged with things theologically. I think for a long time I thought that if I was a Christian who was an athlete, and I stayed out of trouble and I did the right thing that God would reward me with the kind of sports career that I wanted. And, and really finding out that that's not how God works. God isn't a, a cosmic deal maker, so to speak. Um, that was my first, the first kind of blow to my shallow theology. And it caused me to go deeper and it, it caused me to ask the question, you know, can I, can I love a Lord who would allow me to not live a dream? And, uh, I think our culture is so big on living dreams and following your dreams that you know, I, I needed to taste and see God's goodness even in the midst of a dream being taken away. I, I had a fairly significant injury as a college football player and for a while thought I would never be able to play again. And, and that was a kind of the first blow and the first challenge. And then later in life, later, you know, in my married life, um, you know, the Holy Spirit just made me aware of, of some long standing sin areas in my life that I hadn't dealt with. Um, and it was a, it was a very significant and jarring experience with the Holy Spirit is, is the best way that I can put it. And, uh, I was very humbled by that. It, it resulted in asking a lot of people for forgiveness. The road to kind of restoration was long and painful, but, but really good. And again, it was a, it was a chance to taste and see the goodness of the Lord, uh, in the land of the living. And he allowed me to kind of have another shot at living a joyful, peaceful life. And, uh, and it's been amazing, man. And, and I tell you, you know, there's no one, there's no one who's unredeemable. Uh, and there's no sin that's, that's unredeemable in Christ. And, uh, and that would be my message, you know, and that would be, uh, hopefully what comes through in this testimony is that I don't sit in a place of judgment on people where I feel like, you know, because I grew up in the church, I'm better. And in fact, I think if we fully understand the gospel, we realize our own wretchedness, like Paul 
uh, at the end of Romans 7, he says, what a wretched man I am, you know, who, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then in chapter, uh, chapter eight at the beginning, he comes in with, uh, with the gospel and with the answer. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. We're talking with podcaster, publisher, author, husband, father, Ted Cluck. His most recent book is Household Gods, and you can find out more about him at tedcluck.com. That's Cluck with a K. How can our listeners get their hands on your books? Yeah, they can go to Amazon.com. They could go to uh, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold, and grab them that way. They could also uh, get links to them through uh, www.tedcluck.com. Any prayer requests? How can we pray for you? Yeah, I think just for energy and, and steadfastness to finish some projects that I've got uh, that I've got coming down the pike here. So there, there's always a, a sense where you want the pipeline to be full, but then there's that moment where you feel overwhelmed and you feel like, man, I, I can't necessarily do this on my own. So I think, you know, just for provision, for steadfastness, if, if the Lord wants me to keep writing, that uh, he would allow me to, to be able to do these projects well and, and keep the pipeline full of work. That's Ted Cluck. Ted, thanks for joining us, man. I really had a good time talking to you. Rick, thank you so much, man. Your questions were great. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's Ted Cluck. You can find out more about him, tedcluck.com. You can find his books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever it is you like to get books. If you haven't read any of Ted's books, they're very interesting. They're well-written. They're provocative. They will cause you maybe to be a little unsettled at times. Ted has a way of moving you from your comfort zone, getting you to reevaluate to Consider whether or not your perspective is really biblical, whether it's really Christ-like, or if it's just common accepted Christianese. You're listening to Benson and those guys. Our show is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. We'll be back right after this.